Hey, gorgeous. Welcome to the Find Your Way podcast, where we answer the question, who am I? Which is what way stands for. I'm your host, Lindsay Means, human design expert and guide. This podcast is about human design, healing, and inner work for solopreneurs with client-based businesses. I'm so grateful that you're here. Now let's get started. Welcome to this episode of the Find Your Way podcast, where I'm interviewing Jody Brown, who is a mental projector with a 4-6 profile. Jody is a 15-year hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing strategist just for beauty pros. Her mission is to teach beauty pros to market themselves effectively to attract dream clients and create endless freedom and opportunities within their businesses. She is here to take the stress out of marketing your beauty business and help you create a captivating brand that allows you to make your vision a reality. Her soulmate clients are visionary stylists, entrepreneurs, and educators in the beauty industry. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Now let's get started. Jody. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Even just like before we hit record, it's so nice to be here hanging out and chatting about all the things. So I am excited to get into it. Ooh, me too. I know this is going to be a juicy conversation. (laughs) And I always start my podcast off with a question. I love asking, is there, has there been a moment in your life where you asked yourself the question, who am I? Oh God, you're going to like make me cry within five minutes of this podcast. Yes. Okay. So I finally opened up about this a little bit recently. It took me a really long time, but when I was going through, after I had my son, Mason, um, who's eight now, my husband and I wanted to have more kids right away. Like we both had siblings and we struggled with secondary infertility. So we tried for years and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through because it it's so, you know me, so, you know, I, I like to be in control. <laughs> And I had no control. And so during that process, I did a lot of soul searching. And I remember feeling like all the good things that had already, that had, were going to happen for me had already happened. Mm -hmm. And I was 28 years old feeling like my life was over. Like it was a really intense period, um, into, you know, the, my early thirties and, you know, that led me to really question like, who am I? And, you know, I know you and I talked about this before and like, I don't know if you want to get into like the Saturn return and like all of that kind of stuff, but looking back, it makes a lot of sense because I, I questioned myself constantly during that period and tried to figure out who I was, like, what was my purpose? And I, yeah. So yes. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable with, with that. And I love that you brought up the Saturn return and it's so interesting because I'm looking at your chart right now and your Saturn Mm -hmm. return was in March and you were 28. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? Um, a big part of the Saturn return for Jody and I is because of our line six. So mm-hmm. Jody's a four, six profile. And if you're, if you're looking at your chart, your profile, it'll say profile would be a little fraction number. Mm-hmm. And the first number is your conscious personality. So it's what you're going to resonate with more. So then the second number is your unconscious personality. And this is what other people pick up on. So for you, this was, this is unconscious energy for me, it's conscious energy. And mm-hmm. so 
when the Saturn return happens, which is generally between 28 and 30 for the Mm -hmm. line six, that's a pivotal moment in our life because our whole life shifts. And the first 30 years of our life, we act like the line three, which is, is the scientist and it's Mm -hmm. trial and error. It's, you got to get your hands dirty. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do the damn thing. Like what do scientists do? They run experiments, they fail, they collect the data and they do it all over again. Yeah. So this like energy of been there, done that. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. But when the Saturn return happens and you can Google, um, your Saturn return, there's a lot of astrology stuff that goes on, but it's based off of Saturn and Saturn is a lot about karma and it's a lot about whatever, whatever astrologically was going on when you were born, you're coming back to that point. And it's like a, a spotlight, a highlight on that area. So for me, it was, um, in my 12th house, which is, um, all about like spirituality. And so I got really into spirituality at the time. I don't have to look up yours to see yours, but my whole life changed. And I'm sure like this was a big part of your life too. And so it can be disruptive and it can be like the, who am I question? Like, what, what the hell am I doing with my life? And it sounds like that's what you're going through. So it's so wild. And I've always been like, I've moved, I mean, (laughs) since I was 19, I think I've moved cities like seven times or something like that in Mm -hmm. between the time I was 19 and 24. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, (laughs) I can completely relate to that. Like I'm very much with someone where I would want to like burn it all down and just start (laughs) again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, try all these new things, but that was the first time that something had felt truly out of my control. And I definitely, it was a reckoning for sure. And I also was, you know, very immature in the way that I viewed the world, I think before that point, because I think often, and I, Lindsay introduced me to this term Saturn return. I'm by no means an expert. This is something that I learned much later on. Um, But, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because I felt a shift. And I think in my thirties, I'm much more able to be accountable for my own role in things. Mm -hmm. Um, and not with infertility, obviously, but like with every other part of my life. And I, I realized looking back, there was a lot of blaming other people and, you know, wanting to make everyone else the villain in my story. Mm -hmm. And I think in my thirties, I've had a real, like, it's really come around and, there, I think it's like self-awareness is the best way to describe it, which has been really eye-opening and has allowed me to get to know who I am a little better. Oh, I love that. Cause self, self-awareness is everything. And yeah. I just looked it up. So your Saturn return is in your first house. And that's all about me. It's like, it's all about you. Interesting. So, yeah. And it's really, um, your Saturn is in uh, Sagittarius as well with, with the travel thing. Like you saying, you're moving a lot, but travel, it's like higher learning, higher education. It's a very leadership sort of role, but Saturn return in your first house is a lot of like, who am I at that time? Like, that's exactly the question you're asking. And I, I always said this before I even learned about human design, I was like, unless you're 30, like get out of here. <laughs> like, like age doesn't matter, but please be over 30. Like, <laughs> because there's that shift from your twenties into your thirties, there is the shift. And then when I learned about Saturn return, I was like, Oh, that totally makes sense because yeah. it can be a disruptor. And 
if you're not, if you're not on your, your soul's path or, or you're in relationships that don't work for you, or you're in that victimhood mentality, it's kind of like, Hey girl, Hey girl, you gotta gotta get some, you gotta get your shit together. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what, like, yeah, that's what happened. Like (laughs) it really allowed me to confront uh, a lot of things and, you know, it's, it's been a ride, but a great one. So Mm, I love it. I love it so much. And I would love to talk about, so when you, um, put your bio, I didn't put this, I didn't put this in the intro because I wanted you to share this story, but when you, uh, your bio, you said that you literally grew up in the salon and you were teething on permine rods. Can you please talk about that? (laughs) So my mom, so I'm from the UK originally, um, we're from Sheffield in England and my mom, when she was 11 years old, started as a shampoo girl in a salon. So that's like, I mean, obviously this was like a very long time ago. So she would go on Saturdays and she'd work for a couple hours doing shampoos. And then 10 years later, when she was 21 years old, she bought her first salon. Wow. Which was the salon that she had worked at since she was like 11. So the owners wanted to either retire or I think it was retire. And so she took on the salon, she bought it. And then she was 25 when I was born. And so she was still full on in that business owner. Like she was (laughs) there. She worked until she was 38 weeks pregnant and um, back at the salon when I was two weeks old. And, you know, all the, it was very much like a neighborhood salon in, in the downtown of the city. And, um, she like, you know, she said like all her little, like old lady clients would love just like sitting there and, um, rocking my like, you know, (laughs) basket or pram or whatever it was at the time. And it's also the beauty industry is how she met my dad. She used to do my grandma's hair, um, when, before she even graduated school. And then my dad started coming in for blow dries (laughs) on his short hair once a week. Oh my God. (laughs) So pretty obvious there was an ulterior motive there. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, my whole like life and I guess existence is pretty much tied to the beauty industry. And, um, yeah, that's, I have grown up in it ever since. And then when we moved to Canada, she owned a salon. So I knew when I was, Oh, I, I finished hair school. I did like the apprenticeship route and I was done the training portion by the time I turned 18. So I started working in a salon. She stepped out of salon ownership as I got older. They started traveling a lot more. Um, and then I started down that path when I was, I think I started as a receptionist when I was 16 wow. and worked in the salon and then in other areas of the beauty industry since then. Wow. So were you at 16, were you working for your mom's salon or was she done at that point? She was done at that point. So she wasn't done doing hair. She was done with salon ownership. I did work with my mom for one year when I was 21 and at a salon that we were both employed at. And that's pretty much, yeah, that's the only time our our professional careers have have crossed. How is that? It was interesting. We purposely (laughs) had very opposite schedules. Um, cause (laughs) (laughs) I was, yeah, I was 21 at the time I'd gone through a breakup and moved back home. So I was also staying with my mom at that time. So, Mm -hmm. um, we tried to keep it pretty separate. And I think we only had like one, like me and my mom are very close. Um, I'm very much a dreamer. She's very much a, I'm going to call it realist. Cause I'm like, <laughs> it's pessimistic, but whatever. Um, 
<laughs> so we definitely clash on some things, but I think we're opposite enough that it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I love that. So tell me your story going forward. You started as a receptionist. You basically grew up in the salon. You started working behind the chair and then what happened? And then, so I started, I was on the floor after like my apprenticeship, I worked at a salon and then I got, (laughs) so my first move. So I was working in the town that I'd like gone to hair school and everything. And then I got a call from one of my childhood best friends, which is a perk of moving a lot as I have friends all over the place. Mm -hmm. And she's like, my roommate for the city, like four hours away from where I lived at the time just fell through. Is there any chance that you like want to just do something crazy and like move here and move in with me? And I was like, yes, I will. So (laughs) love that. (laughs) That was, so I gave my two weeks notice and literally two weeks later moved to a different city. And that's where I had my first really great salon experience. So the owner of the salon was like very much into education. I got to have an assistant and I was like, you know, I think I was 20, but I was, I'd been doing here for a while. Um, but it's a really great clientele. And so there was like that part of my career. And then just for various reasons, like I moved to our more, a more, beautiful area in Canada. So that's why I'd left that salon. And then, you know what it's like in your early twenties, like you're dating a guy in one city and you're like, Oh, we're going to be together forever. So mm-hmm. I built and rebuilt so many times. And wow. this was before the advent of like social media, Facebook yeah. existed, but like, we weren't really using it for business and Instagram wasn't even a thing yet. So I, you know, not at least not for hairdressers. Like I'm not going to say with certainty it wasn't around, but it was not a thing. And so I had like built and rebuilt and done all these things. And, um, then I'm going to make a long story short. I also worked in sales at a distributor for Mm -hmm. a while. This was over like an eight year period. So it sounds like, (laughs) sounds like a lot of change and it was, but you know, not, not super, super fast. And then I got pregnant with my son. So the, the route that I was doing as a distributor, like I was on the road a lot and it just wasn't going to work with a new baby. So my husband and I decided like I, and you know, I was in my little, I call it baby bubble at the time. So I was like, I just want to stay home with a baby forever. And like, Mm -hmm. this is going to be so great. And so, and I love if anyone, anyone does that, like, I, I love that for you. It just, for me, after about nine months, like I tried to go back to actually sooner than that. After five months, I was like, I I need to do hair. I need to do something Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I just missed that, you know, social aspect and being behind the chairs. So I did go back kind of part-time. It was too soon. I stepped back away. And then I decided that when my son, I think he was about 18 months old. I was like, I'm going to go back full time. Wow. But the thing was that I don't know what daycare is like in the U S but in Canada, like there's no shift worker daycare in, in rural towns. It was very much like at, when I went back, when I needed to care for my infant, it was like a nine to five type situation. As you know, if you're a stylist, when you have zero clients, what have we all been told our whole lives? You Mm -hmm. need to work evenings and weekends, right? Mm -hmm. 
So with the fact that wasn't a possibility paired with that, I was now paying for childcare, which as a new mom, I'd never done before. So I was now paying to go to work. I was like, well, shit, I better figure out, I better figure out how I'm going to get busy, like really fast. Um, and so I am nothing, if not someone who will figure it out, like that is my jam. If there's something that needs to be figured out, that's almost like exciting to me. So I dove like head first into this like new platform I just discovered. And that was Instagram. I listened to all the marketing podcasts. I, you know, read all the marketing books. I was like watching, you know, all of anything I could get my hands on to learn as much as I could, because there wasn't also education that I knew of at least specifically for stylists when it came to social media. Yeah. So I was really trying to just absorb everything I could and then use that knowledge to build my book as quickly as possible. This is turning into a really long story, but one thing I I should also add is like, it worked. I was able to really build, I was getting referrals. Like people were like, oh, check out her Instagram. Cause it was kind of new and it was like exciting at the time. Right. And so I was just posting like hair photos and like embarrassing hair photos. If I look back now. But the point is I started messy and I did it and I figured it out. Um, So I was getting a lot of clients, but it wasn't necessarily like all perfect clients. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I was busy enough that I was able to like go independent and all of these things. And along the way, I really got into like niche, like balayage, because that was kind of what was the industry trend at that moment. So Mm -hmm. I took, it was kind of like coming in. I think it's, I don't know that it's ever going to go away now, but I um, I don't think so. Yeah. But so basically I went all in on that and I started getting specific. And then I noticed that the more specific I got, the more dream clients I got. And then, you know, as the platform evolved, I made it my mission to stay on top of it. And that was how I grew my business. And even like when I was a chair renter, like my colleagues would comment, like, you can fill your appointments, like cancellations real fast. (laughs) And it was all Instagram. Right. So fast forward again, again, again to February of like 2020 and my now friend, first ever beauty industry mentor, Don Bradley invited me to a class in the city that I was in. So I'd taken a little bit, I'd taken her online program at that point, I think like a few months prior So I'd started investing a little bit in digital education. Um, And then we went to the, I was at this class and it was about balayage and business. So it was a really great class. And then at the end, during the Q and a part, there was a stylist who's like, can we talk about like Instagram and how to grow on Instagram and how to like get clients using it. And Dawn's like, I don't, that's not what I teach. Like, I don't really teach it. So she's just about to say this. Right. And then all of the other stylists are like, like not literally throwing their hands up, but that's how it felt to me in that moment. And looking back, it was like this cosmic moment where Mm. all of these stylists who were like super accomplished, super great in their fields were so frustrated and didn't know what to do. And I was like, this is so weird because a, I don't relate to this at all. And B, I thought everyone knew this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was my first like 
you know, I skipped this in the story, but I've, I've thought about education as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, I'd done some demos for distributors and like worked with a couple brands uh, like in that capacity, but it never really just, you know, it never really like worked out the way that I was kind of wanting it to. Um, mm-hmm. so I never ended up like applying for any educator brand positions. Something just felt off. Yeah. In that moment, it kind of occurred to me like, huh, <laughs> this is what people need help with. And looking back, I'd been the go-to for my friends for so mm-hmm. long and like, you know, basically unpaid consulting for like the year and a half prior <laughs> to that and helping my friends get awesome results. So that was two weeks before we shut down in Canada. Wow. And the timing was unbelievable because I, after her, you know, that experience, it got me thinking and just thinking quick. And when we shut down, I decided to step away and not go back and to just dive full time into becoming an educator. Um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that is like my really long convoluted story of how I got to where I am today. And it's going to be three years in March that I stepped away from the chair full time. And I've been, you know, I've been able to build this business that's impacted hundreds of stylists and, you know, is helping other people grow clientele they love and get really dialed in on their marketing and just empowering. Cause I, I remember feeling really stuck in some really toxic and crappy salon situations. And I felt like I was being held hostage because you know what it was like in the old school salon vibes, like they owned your clientele. Yeah. So that's like my driving purpose is I don't want any other stylist to feel trapped. I want to empower them with the knowledge that they need to be able to build their own clientele and build their own, you know, marketing system so that they don't have to rely on people, especially people who treat them badly, um, to build businesses. Ooh. Oh my God. I love that story. I love that you told the whole thing because I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry because Uh, like someone listening is going to resonate with that. And sometimes like, I love that you talked about how you, you built multiple clients, like you started over multiple times, which I've definitely, I've done that a couple of times and Mm -hmm. it's, it's really powerful to that defining moment that you had of like, and that's, to me, that's kind of a a lot of that line six, because Mm. I, I saw that too. Like I went to cosmetology school when I was 23 two. And I was like, I'm going to be an educator. Like that was like, that was my thing, but it took 10 years before it actually happened. And a lot of the line two in my, or not the line two, the line six, a lot of the line six sort of energy is very visionary, but it's a slow game. It's like slow and steady one step at a time. You're like, but I see it. Why can't I have it now? And then you, you've been recognized like Mm -hmm. your projector, you're designed to be recognized for your zone of genius. And Mm -hmm. you talked about getting it when you go into something, you go all in, like that's very projector, like of like just consuming (laughs) and data and like becoming the genius, Mm -hmm. the like of your topic and of your brand and what you do, which is so freaking amazing. I love that. And I love how that one class, like that one class changed the trajectory of your whole entire life. Absolutely which is amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here because I want you to talk about branding. If you were to give three tips to someone, what would you, what would you tell them? 
So the first tip I would say, so I, the way that I teach branding is a little bit um, different than what you've likely thought of in the past. So a lot of people think branding, they think color palette, you know, maybe fonts, whatever. And I like to go a lot deeper than that. So I really like to start with like your vision and your values. And so there is so much um, change in the market in consumer behavior. And one of the things that's really, really getting more important than ever, and I've been teaching this for two and a half years now, that was when my first um, branding program uh, was born basically, and it's evolved, but the message, like the core of it's still the same. And that is that it's your values, your voice, and your visuals. That's what goes into your brand. So with that being said, um, there was a 2020 consumer trends report that said 80, or I think it's 79, it's either 79 or 82%. I'm like trying to envision my slides right now, but basically that, of consumers who consciously choose to do business with brands that are aligned with their values. Right. Mm -hmm. And because so much of choosing businesses is emotional, there's probably a lot of people who unconsciously are doing the same thing. So I'd say the statistics are probably even higher with that being said, as far as three actionable tips, I think the first thing is getting really clear on your values as a business and, and not just talking about them, but how do you embody them and how do you Mm -hmm. showcase that? So that's like, (laughs) you know, I've, I've had, and this is something that comes up in my, in my program a lot is people will say like, okay, but like, and this is the example I always give because it's like the most clean cut one, but say like one of your values is environmental, environmental sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hi, I'm Jody, and I'm an environmentally sustainable salon, like owner, that's, that would be telling, right? So instead, how do we show, like, how can you Ooh. weave that in, whether it's the brands that you partner with, and then you talk about that from that angle. So you're showing rather than telling. And that's like a big core principle in the way that I teach. And I think is going to, you know, be, of. it's going to get even more important as time goes on. It's only going in yeah. one direction. And then the second thing is, you know, your voice. I'm going to keep the tips relevant to each one of these, of these points. I think it just (laughs) gives a more well-rounded picture that way. So um, the second thing would be your brand voice. So here's what I'll remind you of when you're marketing, right? So branding is about alignment. Marketing is about attraction. They work hand in hand. When you are, you know, communicating through your marketing, Keep in mind that the end goal is that they become your client or your student or, you know, your patient, whatever, whatever the capacity of working with you is, they're going to meet you. You are doing yourself a huge disservice if you misrepresent yourself during the marketing process, because all that's going to do is dissolve any trust that you built as soon as they meet you. Right. So Mm -hmm. be real. I know authenticity is, is, you know, to some people an overused buzzword, but it really is about showing up and maybe not, you know, maybe not warts and all when we're marketing our businesses, maybe it's more like, you know, first appointment, you that's how you <laughs> show up on your social, on your social media and in your marketing in general. And then the third tip I have is 
you know, visual consistency goes a long way. 92% of, you know, um, information transmitted to the brain is visual. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of talk about, it doesn't matter what your feed looks like, and it doesn't matter all of this kind of stuff. And I disagree with that. I'm not saying that you need to be picture perfect or that you need to have your grid laid out in a certain way. That's not what I'm saying, but an element of visual consistency with your, you know, brand colors and, and also making sure that, that your chosen visuals are communicating the first two things we covered, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're in line with that. So for instance, maybe your favorite color is like hot pink and like neon yellow or whatever, But your vibe and what you're trying to create is like spa like and relaxing and like, you know, natural or whatever. Then maybe it's like not necessarily about your preference in that moment, but more about the vibe that you're communicating to your clients. And then having that be woven consistently through every single touch point, Mm -hmm. whether that is on social media, on your website, even in your decor, your printed material, all of that kind of stuff. So consistency is huge. And those are my three tips. Oh my God. Those are so good. I hope you're taking notes as you're listening to this because that is so, it's so powerful. And I love your approach of like, yes, branding is colors and fonts and all that, but it goes to the heart of it because as a, as a hairstylist, you are the heart of your business, whether you're commissioned or not. And people want to know who they're sitting in a chair with, like who the be real, like that, the values is so, so amazing and so key and the embodiment of them, because if you don't know what you stand for, you're going to be lost. It's kind of like, um, when you kind of shared earlier in your story of you were marketing to everyone in the beginning, but, and so you got things you didn't really want. And then when you niche down, then the, then you were able to funnel those soulmate clients in. So when you get clear on those values, you're able to understand who you are and how you convey yourself because you're really selling yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And it gives you, once you're conscious of this and you know, that's the one thing is like, I think that when people talk about branding and marketing, like it's outside of our our sphere as beauty pros, right? Like we don't get taught that in, Mm. in beauty school necessarily. And so I think sometimes there can be like overwhelm and fear, but here's what I want to position to you that in, in reality, everything is hard at the beginning. Everything feels overwhelming at the beginning, right? So if you are just willing to step outside your comfort zone and learn these skills, then you have them and businesses pivot like with the best will in the world, you lose clients. Maybe you move, maybe, you know, you take a maternity leave. Maybe you want to pivot and only do extensions or only do curls, which is actually when a lot of people end up working with me is when they are in the middle of a big pivot. Mm-hmm. And you'll have these foundational skills and a deep understanding so that you can have power over your business and what you're creating. And that's that's a huge sense of peace for me, knowing that I I have that ability to connect with people because our businesses as an educator, as a as a beauty professional, as a wellness professional, our businesses are about relationships and the people that we connect with. Mm. Oh, I love that because it's so true. And it's really seeing, connecting to that person. And I love what you said about the the visuals of if your color is hot, pink and neon yellow, that doesn't necessarily mean that should be your brand. 
Exactly. Exactly. That was something that I, I was like, well, these are my colors, but it's like, well, Lindsay, are you trying to attract a bunch of you? Like, no, I wasn't my ideal client. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was definitely not. And so I love that of thinking about who, who are you trying to attract and the end goal of you want these people to become your client. And yeah. that is relationship building, which is so amazing. Um, Absolutely. Those were phenomenal tips. And I'm super excited because Jody is going to be a guest educator in my Creating Alchemy membership on February 17th. And so if you want to learn more about branding and her brilliant way of marketing and positioning yourself to connect with those soulmate clients. I would love to invite you to join the membership. You'll not only get access to that masterclass, but three masterclasses a month, um, plus tons of other goodies. So go check out the link in the show notes. If you want to learn more about that. And I would love for you, Jody, to tell me more about how you serve your clients. What if my, if, if the, my listeners are listening and they're like, Oh my God, I want to work with Jody. How can they work with you? So I actually have a free on-demand class that's called how to build an aligned clientele as a hairstylist. Mm -hmm. And I do dive into, like I mentioned briefly earlier, my align and attract framework, which essentially, like I said, alignment is branding and, and attraction is marketing and they work hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I mean, I guess you could have a brand without marketing, but just no one would know about it. So I'm not sure that would be a great use of your time. <laughs> so definitely go check that out. I do also have a podcast where I talk a lot about branding, marketing, mindset, all of the things. Um, and that is called Hairstylist Rising. And then of course, come say hi to me on Instagram. I'd love to hear if you heard me on Lindsay's podcast, um, because yeah, I always love to connect with people in the DMs too. Ooh, I love it. And I'll have all of those, all of Jody's uh, goodies linked below. Um, is there any, let's see, I would like to, I would like to know how human design has, we can't, we've kind of talked about human design during this, but I know that I'm pretty sure I was one of like someone who introduced you to human design, but I would love to know how has it impacted your, your life and your business? Ooh. Okay. So this is a really good one. I am, as Lindsay said, like the classic visionary. So if you look up visionary in the dictionary, it literally is a description of me to a T. <laughs> and I think there's a spectrum for a lot of people. I'm not on the spectrum. I'm like all the way at the other side. Um, so that's, that's like me in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I had all these big ideas and I was like, why can't I make anything happen? I felt like kind of like, and I was making things happen. Like, this is me saying, why can't I make anything happen after, you know, leaving my behind the chair business that I built mm -hmm. from the ground up, launching my own education and blah, blah, blah. But this is how my brain works. So mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially I was like, how can I be more effective? I guess is a better way of putting it. So what I learned from human design and what I learned from you is my workflow and the fact that my my value as a person, not, and not that it's my job, but like my value to the people around me isn't always what I do, but what I see mm. as a projector, because I very much, you know, at the start of my business, 
And I, I think this is the case for any start of a business. Like you have to build sustainable systems, but at the beginning, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy and you're so passionate that it, that's fine. It sustains it right after that, after that first little bit though, when you've got all the drive and you've got all the energy, the burnout hit me really hard. And what I realized is I was just doing everything and I was doing social media management and I was doing, you know, like for other beauty pros. And then I was doing coaching and I was doing this program and I was doing, you know, copywriting and and doing all my own marketing. And like, it was insane. Like I was, I think I shared with you, like before one of my um, launches, I was literally working 16 hour days and I was absolutely exhausted. And I remember so, you told me that and I was like, girl, you got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a very sustained period, mind you. So I'll be very transparent about that. But it was like, even for a not sustained period, that's l- like lunacy. Yeah. Um, and since that conversation, I've never worked more than 12 in a day. Yes. And that's very, very infrequent. Mm-hmm. So I outsourced, I hired a team. I now mm. have a team of four people who I get to have these big ideas and then they actually come to fruition and get to impact people because I now have systems and support in place to make it happen. So that was one of the biggest ways that human design impacted me. Oh, I love that because as a projector, I mean, I always, I always say everyone should outsource as soon as you possibly can, whether that's a VA or a couple of hours a week or whatever. But as soon as you possibly can outsource, especially as a projector, because like you said, the visionary and seeing things like you see, especially you being a mental projector, like you see things in a different way. And you see from this bird's eye view from from point A to Z, and you're not here to build it all. You're not here to do the generator work. And I'm sure at least two of the the people on your team are going to be generator types. And so they're the builders. It's like, (laughs) you're the visionary and then they're the builders and they do all the doing so that you can be more and stay in your zone of genius. So Oh, I freaking love that. I remember when you said, I was like, I can't even work 16 hours a day and I've got generator energy. (laughs) And the other thing too, that I, that I didn't mention is I think the other thing that really impacted me was, um, accepting my inconsistent energy. So yeah. And I've always been someone where I'd rather like, even when I was behind the chair, like I'd rather work like three, 10 hour days than, you know, five, six hour days, for instance, Mm -hmm. I'd rather go really, really hard and then be able to totally unplug. Um, and so now I, there's all this productivity stuff, right. Which is like, this is how you should structure your day and blah, blah, blah. And none of it has ever worked for me. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that I've been able to now, so if any other projectors listening and they're like, I can't figure out my workflow. The one thing that I love to do is pick a day for something. And then I work like as much as I can. And some days it's a ton. And some days I do like check one thing off my list. And then it's like, you know, I do something else, but like Tuesdays is my podcast day. Mondays is my coaching day. Like, and that has really allowed me to feel productive, move forward and allow for those surges in energy. Cause sometimes I am raring to go and I want to do all the things. And sometimes it's just no matter how hard I try, it's not happening. <laughs> oh, I love, love, love that you brought that up because you're so 
what a mental projector means is that Jody only has her head and her Ajna. So the two triangles at the top, those are the only ones that she has colored in or defined. And mm-hmm. so all of the rest are open or white. And so the, the, the a couple of areas that really affect you with productivity, um, specifically the root center. So I have this one open as well. Um, it's the bottom square on your chart. So if it's open, it'll be white. And if it's defined, it'll be colored in. And when it's open, we have inconsistent access to energy, but there's this pressure to do, 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 do. Yes. Cause that yes. center is a pressure center. So if it's Brown, if you're listening and it's Brown, that's a pressure center. It's a motor center Mm -hmm. and it's pressure to check things off your to-do list and get things done. And it's kind of this, it can be this phrenic energy. I used to run around like a chicken with my head cut off, like lists, to-do lists miles along. I don't have to-do lists really anymore because I, I ebb and I flow and I wait for the energy to hit me, but we're not taught like that. We're taught to, you've got to check things off your to-do list in this amount of time. And so I love that you talk about systems because systems, and obviously you have a team. If you don't have a team, create systems because systems is that masculine container to allow the feminine to flow. We're feminine. Most of my audience are, are female and we're cyclical beings. We're not designed to go, 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 go. No one is all of the time. Yeah. So I love that you brought that up and it's listening to your body ultimately. And mm-hmm. those days where you only get one thing done the next day, you may get 20 things done. So it doesn't Absolutely. really matter like when you get it done. No, exactly. And that's something that I've really like, since I started, so a couple of things that have really helped me are one that are outside of a team is one Asana has been really great for me because mm-hmm. Then I can put in tasks and I don't assign, like I assign like a due date at like the last, but I would just work through them. And then if something looks fun, sometimes like certain days, I'm like, oh, I'll just get this over with. But then certain days I'm like, I don't want to do anything, but this looks super fun. So let me go ahead and tackle that which has really helped. And then also, um, batching, batching content is a game changer because then it's like when I'm inspired, when I've got all this energy and I'm excited, I have somewhere to put all of this energy and all of those ideas. But then it's like, and I always think about how I'm serving my, you know, my community and I'm able to consistently show up for my community, even though I'm not always consistent, right? Because Mm -hmm. like my energy is not always consistent because of these systems. And I really, you know, being a creative and being a visionary, I kind of like rebelled against systems for a really long time. Cause I'm like, nah, like that's not yeah. for me. But what I realized is like you said, it really does have, you know, it has that, that container so that you have the capacity to flow and still be effective. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, if I'm not able to be effective and I'm not able to show up for my community, then my vision isn't being fulfilled and I'm not able to impact the people that I, that I love and I want to help. So, Mm. Oh, so good. Oh my God. This conversation has been so amazing. Thank you so much, Jody, for coming on and sharing your zone of genius. And once again, I'm going to plug the masterclass that Jody is teaching on February 17th within creating alchemy. And if you're listening to this after February 17th, don't worry, I got you because the recording is going to be in the archive forever in the creating alchemy membership. So thank you. Thank you, Jody, for coming on. And I hope that you have an amazing day and we'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Way podcast. I want to ask you a question really quick. Do you want to learn more about your human design? If you said yes, I would love to invite you to send me a screenshot of your chart on Instagram. My handle is at Lindsay Means with an underscore. And there's a link in the show notes to get your chart below if you don't have one already. If you want to learn more about my offerings and freebies, check out lindsaymeans.com. If you love this episode, share it on social media and tag me. I would love to connect with you. If you like this content, subscribe now so you never miss an episode. And remember, you are perfect exactly as you are. You aren't broken. You don't need to be fixed. It's only a matter of remembering how freaking amazing you are and human design helps us with that. See you next time.